Right, so today is Pentecost, but actually we're not looking at Acts chapter 2, we're looking at John chapter 7, starting at verse 37. It's page 1072 in uh, the Church Bible. And Jesus is in the temple. Uh, It's actually the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, which happens every year. Uh, In the seventh month of the year, they start in the tenth day, they had the Day of Atonement, where uh, they uh, confessed the sins of the nation. And on the 15th day, they started the Feast of the Tabernacles, which was a seven-day feast. And what they did is they built uh, a lot of little cover- coverings out of um, leaves so they could live out in the open. And uh, it was really a, a remembrance of what happened in the wilderness. When the people of Israel left Egypt and went up to, back into uh, Canaan to take Canaan, uh, they lived in the wilderness, as we know, for 40 years. And it was a remembrance that God established that they were not a people that stayed still, that they were a people that were on the move, and he had provided for them in the wilderness, water and manna. And during the uh, festival, one of the things they did actually was they recognized that by taking water out of the pool of Siloam, and they carried it up to the temple, and they poured it on the altar in the temple. So water is very relevant to the story, as you'll see in a minute. Jesus had already been teaching in the temple. The Pharisees were still already wanting to arrest him. And on the last day, so the seventh day of the festival, he stands up and this is what he says. Verse 37. Let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Christian has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man's a prophet. Others said, he's the Messiah. Still others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. If you look at the chapter at some time when we go home, you'll see actually the people completely missed what he was saying. Before he said it, they were saying, well, I'm not sure who Jesus is. And after he said it, they carry on the same conversation. He puts this tremendous statement right in the middle. And the people just carry on as though he never said anything. It's just so human, so like us, isn't it? You know, Jesus does something and we go, oh, that was interesting, but I think I'll get on with my life. They didn't see what he was saying. Now, Jesus, when he was saying this, was actually picking up on a passage in Isaiah 55. And I'm going to read that too, because it all goes together. Come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy, eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. 
Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what is not true? Satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear to me and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. And then verse six. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, are my thoughts than your thoughts. And as the rain and snow come down from heaven and don't return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater, so is the word that goes out from my mouth. So that was what, as he spoke about the water for the time that they were actually concentrating, that is actually what he was referring back to. And again, it's interesting because they weren't taking any notice of his teaching. And yet here it says quite clearly, when God speaks, it's never wasted. So today's Pentecost. So what do we think about the Holy Spirit? What's our expectation on the Holy Spirit? I think we get a bit confused, um, to be honest, especially these days. Um, You see, it says here, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. Very difficult for us to talk about the Holy Spirit because actually the Holy Spirit never likes to talk about himself. He's always pointing to Jesus, always pointing to the Father. So what is it? Is it praying for one another, ministry? We ask for the Holy Spirit then. Is it using the gifts? Is it growing in the fruits? I think we missed the point. We sang, didn't we? Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, Lord, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Did you think about that when you were singing? You really realized what we were singing? What would happen if if that happened? What would happen? Do you think we'd just be sitting here? Well, if we survived the presence of the Lord, which is pretty iffy, we'd be on our faces. You think of what the examples are in the Bible. It's not something fuzzy going around in the atmosphere. When Isaiah saw the king high and lifted up, when he had some vision of God, he said, woe is me, for I am undone. I come from a people of unclean lips. He knew his sin. Now the people encounter the Holy Spirit, when we really encounter Jesus, it transforms us. We should not take it lightly. It's not about a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's more than that. You see, the Holy Spirit was there at creation. He's certainly in the atmosphere because he was involved in making it. And the other thing about this is that you don't know, if you look in the Bible, you'll find that the Holy Spirit doesn't come to places. He comes to people. I was looking, I thought of this, I was thinking this beforehand, and I was thinking, is that true? And I looked up the passage where people say, you know, there's the Acts chapter 5 passage where he filled, the place was 
shaken as the Holy Spirit. They prayed and the place was shaken by the Holy Spirit. But actually it said, and he came to them. The place was shaken as he came to them. It's not something out there. It's not something we feel. It's about my heart. How I respond. My relationship with Jesus. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me. It starts off by coming to Jesus. Though we need to believe. Anyone who is thirsty, whoever believes in me. Again, Jesus so we need to live. And then look at what he says here. Rivers of living water will flow from within them. Rivers, the abundance. It's not a little bit of water, a lot of water. Living water, life itself. Flows from our very being, from right in our gut. It's active. It be a river or a stream. It's flowing. It's not stationary. It's not about sitting around. It's about flowing out, full of joy. You know, we can do a lot in the church, we can do a lot around, but if we don't have the joy of the Lord as we do it, not sure it's really good. We need to be full of the joy of the Lord. If you're serving in the church, do it with the joy of the Lord. Do it with the Holy Spirit. So then why don't we experience it more? Well, I think, for one thing, we need to have the right view. We need to have a right view of Jesus, a right spiritual view. If we have a view that links into the culture, our present culture, we will not click into the spirit. We won't pick up on the spiritual world. I think some ways that people aren't Christians are more switched on to the spiritual world than we are. We're so fixed on Western rationalism. So I've made these special glasses. I did have an original pair, but I've lost those. And I think, to be honest, this is what many of us see. And we go a bit and a bit like this, you see. And one view is what we see on our screen through our mobiles, and the other screen is what we see on our large screen at home. So we go around this going, that's funny. I can't see the Holy Spirit. I can't see Jesus. Where is he? Because actually, if we think about it, how many hours a day do we spend with the glasses on? So if you want to see Jesus, if you want the living water, then you really need to take that off. You really need the right view, a view that sees Jesus. The right glasses. A funny story about this, a very brief one. When we were, we'd just come back from Devon on holiday, and uh, we were in a town, and we were looking for a cafe. And uh, one thing mobiles are useful for is finding a cafe. So I put it on the cafe, and it said, oh, new, new application for app. You can find it by actually looking at the... Thing. So you, you, you throw it around like this, you show them where you are, uh, and it says, you are here, and it points this big arrow on the screen going in a certain direction. That's fine, so you go, right now, I must follow the arrow. And the next thing that happens, it comes up with this warning saying, do not look in the screen all the time, or you might bump into something. 
And that's exactly how we are. You know, we're so focused on in that we actually don't know where we're going. Whereas the Spirit, Jesus is always looking out. The Spirit is always out. It's not a just about me. Yes, we can receive healing from the Spirit. Yes, he can change our lives. But it's always a flow. It's always going out. What I experience over the years, a church, as individuals, we're always happiest when we're looking out, when we're serving. Now, we've been around a long time, more Christian life a long time. I mean, when I was a student, it was the charismatic revival, and then deliverance ministries, and then Wimber and Signs and Wonders, and then the Toronto stuff, and all the time it goes about every time the same thing happens. People become more looking in than looking out. It's about looking out. The work of the Spirit is to draw us to Jesus, to change us. In that passage we read from Isaiah, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. That's the passage that we're talking about. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon them. See, one thing that really links up, if you look at all the passages that talk about the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, you find he talks a lot about cleaning us up, about repentance. Because we want to come to Jesus. His job is to bring us to Jesus. How do we get to Jesus? Well, we take away the barriers that are in the way. And what are those barriers? Those barriers, for the most part, are our stuff, our muck, our sin. So in John 15, it talks about the Holy Spirit's job as conviction of sin. In Joel, the Acts 2 passage, which we could be quite easily be preaching about today, he talks about Joel. He talks about, yes, the Spirit will be poured out on your sons and daughters, but actually the whole context of that book in the Old Testament is repentance. And he finishes, says, repent and be baptized and you will be filled. Acts 5, he gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. Romans 8, we all love Romans 8, about being adapted as children, but actually it's about a battle between flesh, my grotty bit, and the spirit. Ephesians 4, 22, put off your former life. Don't grieve the spirit. Uh, interesting there, why does Paul pick out words? We sometimes think it's all actions, but actually... Paul says it's words that can grieve the Spirit. Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit. Again, the context is be careful how you live. So it's all about getting rid of the stuff so that we can come close to Jesus. So that is one purpose. It's to draw us close to Jesus, us, me. And then the other thing is to draw other people close to Jesus. So it's not supposed to be an end in itself. If we take away our shame, our fear, our guilt, then we're full of joy, then other people will see it in us and they will want Jesus. He'll give us the courage to share. But we have to make a choice. Which glasses we wear, how much we want to commit to Jesus. Do we want to believe in him? Do we want to take risks? 
just read uh, again a book by C.S. Lewis called The Great Divorce. If you haven't read it, I recommend it. But he says this at the beginning. We're not living in a world where all roads are a radius of a circle and will finally meet at the center. Rather in one where every road after a few miles forks and at each fork we must make a decision. All the time we have to make decisions. Again, back in Devon, we went, we were going, I don't worry about those of you that don't, don't know Devon. Devon consists of very narrow roads with very high fences, very high hedges on either side. So you can't really go anywhere except forwards. And you come to a junction and you have to make a decision to go left or to go right. Now, you know, whichever way you go, you probably won't be able to come back. So we were driving along, we thought, I thought I knew the way. Um, but we got to this junction and the uh, signpost was hidden in the bushes. And so we turned right and we should have turned left. And we spent the next, I don't know, 15 minutes going down these lanes up down, which are really, really now so narrow that our car, which is not a big car, would only just get through. And eventually we got back to where we we're going. But you see, we made a choice to go the wrong way. And that puts us on the detour. And all the time in our lives, we are faced with choices towards Jesus or away from Jesus, sensitive to the Spirit or ignoring the Spirit. In the book he also writes, he says, there's no little bit of hell in heaven, no plan to retain this or that in our hearts or pockets. It must all go. The Spirit encourages us to give everything to Jesus. And then we can draw close to him. And then we can find what we need in him. We can find peace. Romans, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. We're going to have that assurance that we're going to be with him. Takes away the fear of death. 2 Corinthians 1. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Eternal life our assurance. But also, that's the us bit. But he also, as we know, helps us in our prayers. Romans 8. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we don't know how to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us through wordless groans. Prayer is not just about me. It's not in. Prayer, again, is an outward thing. And power. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Note again, it's about changing me. Put to death the deeds of your sinful nature. That's what the Spirit is about. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And then, of course, the Acts 1, you will receive power and you'll be my witnesses. 
We live in very dark times. We do. The darkness is increasing. And you look at the church for light. And if we're honest, we don't see much light in the church in this country. You can look overseas, where the spirit is active, where they're open to the spirit, where they're obedient, and you will see light. Some of you know we work for open doors with the persecuted church. Overseas, you will see miracles. If you're trying to smuggle aid across the border into North Korea, you will see miracles. If you're in India and you are struggling, maybe you need healing, you will see miracles. If you're in a camp in the Middle East and you cry out to God, he will come in dreams and visions. It's not as though the Holy Spirit's not in the world today. But in the West, here, we don't see it like that. See, all those that we, that we talk about, it's about going out. It's about impacting the area. They stand, they are a light in the darkness. Even however difficult it is, even if it costs their lives, they are a light in the darkness. We need that light in this country. We desperately do. So the challenge today is, are you thirsty? And if you are thirsty, are you willing to come to Jesus? Because there is a cost. If you make that first decision, that will get you on the right road. But what happens when you come to the next junction? And the Spirit says to you, or Jesus says to you, I want a bit more. I want you to come closer to me. I want you to give that up. I want you to start looking out. I want you to start serving. Another junction, another choice. Which way are we going? So our problem was that when we chose that road, we kept going further and further away. So we were over here somewhere. We had to come all the way back. Each junction has a choice. Closer to Jesus, or away from Jesus. Working it out, or not working it out. How thirsty are you? Never really been that short of thirst. Um, we have a very strong memory of when we were working in Nigeria, and uh, we used to cover uh, a number of health centers around Lake Chad. And uh, we'd flown up in the plane, and we were traveling back in our rather ancient Land Rover uh, across the desert. Uh, it was very hot, um, 50 degrees, something like that. Um, and uh, you, you, there aren't any roads in that part of Nigeria. As you come down into Niger, it's just a track across the desert. Um, and. Uh, they, when they were building in northern Nigeria, they sort of built this road uh, to a place called Mongano. And then when we were there, they, they built a roundabout. It was very good, you know, you could, so you, if you were coming in the other direction, you came up from the city, 
couple two hours drive and you got to the roundabout this road didn't go anywhere and that road didn't go anywhere and then there was a, a tarmac road off to the right so we came down from the north on the road that didn't have any tarmac um, always entertaining driving in the desert with only a two-wheel drive because the four-wheel is broken um, and uh, at this place there was a little thing by the side of the road. And he had a generator, and he had a fridge. And in that fridge, there was some Fanta. And even today, I can taste the coldness and the refreshingness that came from that drink. It was just amazing to come out of the heat through all that we'd driven to get that refreshment. Remember, I can picture it now in my life, and this can too, just how it was when we came to that refreshment on that day. And that's how it can be. We can get refreshment through the Spirit. He can draw us to Jesus. We had a, while we were praying before the service, we this other picture, and it was like this. It was... Um, Someone who is thirsty, and uh, someone offered them, instead of water, they offered them chewing gum. And for a few moments, the chewing gum satisfied their thirst. Then, of course, anybody knows, I think it was bubble gum, not chewing gum, it's like this. Anybody knows that after a while, it tastes horrible and it doesn't really satisfy your thirst. So as we come to the end, the challenge is, are we willing to let Jesus give us the real water? Are we willing to come and believe in him and let him help us make the right choices, to keep turning towards him and not away? And that does mean changing our lives. It does mean looking out and not in. So are we willing? Are we willing to let Jesus change us? Are we willing to let the Spirit do that work? So it's not about atmospheres, it's not about good feelings, it's actually about him changing us to come closer to Jesus. And as we come closer to Jesus, then we will know his power. We will have a desire to reach out to our friends, our family. We will have that desire to serve. So it is a challenge today, a challenge to make the right decision. Not to be like those people in the temple who went, oh, that was interesting. But where did he come from? Don't let's miss the point. It's available to us. Let's stand, shall we?